Hi everyone and good morning and a huge welcome to The Conduit. Um, I'm Hattie, I'm the CEO of Project Giving Back and I'm so thrilled that you could all make it here this morning. I think, I know for me it's one of the most beautiful and lovely starts to a Monday so I hope that's the same for all of you. Um, we're really excited to gather a great panel here today uh, to discuss the human impact of gardens. But most importantly, it's also an opportunity to bring our 2023 cohort together, share stories about what you're doing, get you ready for Chelsea. Um, as some of you will know, Chelsea can come round and hit you like a train. So this is this little moment is to kind of get you all together and just uh, inspire you for what's coming in the coming weeks. Um, I am just going to do a little bit of housekeeping and uh, let you know a few things um, and then introduce our speakers. The first thing to say is just a massive thank you to The Conduit. I don't know if any of you have been here before, but it's an amazing space, a community of people who I would say get up in the morning to make a difference. Like a lot of them are involved in work to do with sustainability, um, you know, campaigning. It's a really interesting community. Um, I think we might have some of their members here joining for the panel as well, um, but just a huge thank you and it's a beautiful space. Um, okay, and now on to our talk. So we are very lucky to have some fab speakers today. The first I want to introduce is our host, Tom Harfleet. Tom is very humble, so I'm going to do a little bit of talking about what, <laughs> why he's so amazing and, and how he's kind of come to be a friend of PGB. Um, Tom is one of those rare people who actually has experienced Chelsea from all angles. He's been an exhibitor, he's been a show manager, and he's been a sponsor. So he knows the full spectrum of what you'll be experiencing. Um, with his brother, he's run amazing campaigns for the Pansy Project. He's also head of, headed up the brand for Seedlip. Um, and really, just when it comes to storytelling and people and how to connect with people, I would say Tom's one of the best. And so we're, we're really lucky to have him hosting this morning. And then our speakers, um, we've uh, roped back in some 2022 cohort. Um, we've got the fantastic Daryl Moore, who is garden designer and co-founder of Cityscapes. Um, if you go around London Bridge, you will see some of the amazing impact of Daryl's gardens on urban spaces. And it's been fascinating talking to Daryl about the socioeconomic impact, the sort of behavioral impact of gardens. Um, so yeah, really pick his brains if you get a chance. Then we've got Georgie Payock, who is Special Events Manager for MIND. MIND have just relocated their garden designed by Andy Sturgeon up to Barrow in Furness, which is one of, it's, a, it's a far spot to take a Chelsea garden, and it's seeing the impact that that is having on that community is just incredible. So Georgie's going to share some of those stories. And then finally, but not least, Tayshan Hayden-Smith, who is co-founder and director of Grow to Know. Um, he's also joined by the team from Grow to Know as well here, so you can chat to them afterwards. Um, they designed the hands-off mangrove garden uh, in 2022, and uh, just, you know, what that garden did for the community, I can't wait to hear about it, Tayshan. So I'm going to zip it, um, fire exit, lose, I feel like the air hostess, but th those are the housekeeping bits, and if you can leave your badges behind at the end. Um, so yeah, just give our panellists a huge round of applause and welcome. Uh, thank you so much for the intro. I, um, I had a plan. I now I'm sat here, I feel like that plan's gone out the window. Uh, so please bear with me. Um, first thing though I had on my notes is, you're all doing gardens in 2024, 23, 23 three, yeah? yeah? What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I well, no, I wouldn't be panicking. No, but in all seriousness, I think this is a great opportunity because I think it's so often you get caught up in the the pre-Chelsea fire fight, fire fight, fire fire, um, and you're running towards it. There's such an intense focus on one week, and this is an opportunity to look up because I think from all of these three, we're going to hear some amazing stories of the actual impact a garden has after the show. And it's making sure that you have that front of mind now. Yes, the show is incredibly important and you're going to talk to hundreds of thousands of people. But by getting the after show right and that after show party right, you're going to talk to millions of people. Um, and I think that's why today is really important. Um, so kicking off, I'm going to get them each to introduce themselves, but also answer what their highlight, low light and learning was from last year's Chelsea. Okay, so I'm Daryl Moore, I'm a landscape designer and I run Cityscapes. Cityscapes is a social enterprise landscape design studio. We do urban projects, both permanent projects and temporary projects. So we work with a wide range of stakeholders including business improvement districts, councils, arts organisations and local community groups. Uh, we do a lot of work in the London Bridge area, as Hattie mentioned, so we work particularly uh, with the Team London Bridge Business Improvement District down there, so we've done a lot of different projects. Um, I'm also a writer, a journalist on garden, uh, writing about garden design and author of a book called uh, Gardening in a Changing World, Plants, People and the Climate Crisis. Uh, I'm also on the Society of Garden Designers Council uh, representing education and diversity and inclusion. Um, takeaways from Chelsea. Hi hi highlight, highlights. low light and learning. Highlight. Uh, <laughs> I think the highlight was being able to put our charity onto that platform to give them that kind of exposure. Uh, we worked with St Mungo's homelessness charity and they have an initiative called Putting Down Roots where they use horticultural therapy for people recovering from homelessness. Now we, we had already worked with them for the past 10 years so we had this very integrated relationship, very close uh, symbiotic kind of relationship. They've helped us build some of our projects and they maintain some of our projects with the ones in the London Bridge area. So we already had this very close-knit relationship going on and when we were asked to do uh, this garden for Chelsea and we were told that we have to do it with a, a charity, I mean it was a no-brainer that we did it with them. So that was really the highlight is being able to give them that kind of platform uh, and show the great work they do. Uh, uh, low light? <laughs> low light. I probably don't want to talk about the low light. <laughs> okay. Um, and then learning. What did you learn? The thing is, you can never start too early on this. You, you know, thinking about it, planning, thinking about every aspect, and just and working closely. The integration between us as designers and the charity St Mungo's, you know, we're having weekly meetings talking about all aspects of it. So talking about uh, PR, media, and obviously the logistics of how we operate at the show. You know, it's really important for us to represent at the show both the charity and the design side of things because our garden was not a domestic garden. It was a public pocket park. They're the main things we sort of design. Uh, so it's also the kind of projects that we've worked on them with. So it was a celebration of our 10-year kind of relationship and the type of work that we do. So it was a bit different in terms of what a Chelsea garden is. Um, so it's just about having that kind of clarity of message 
been really everyone on the same page and thinking about it. So, you know, at the show, there were representatives from the charity and there were representatives from Cityscapes as well. So we were all briefed on what we would say and get across to the public in terms of the St Mungo's message, in terms of the message of the garden, which is about the importance of green spaces in urban areas, which is something we all are really familiar with now since the pandemic and lockdown. So it was sort of getting these messages across. And if anyone wants specific information they could, on St Mungo's, they could talk to them. If they wanted specific uh, details on the design or planting, they could talk to us. So again, it's about being integrated, all parties being on board and you know in sync. It's good learning. Um, Georgie. Hi. Um, so I feel uh, a bit of a fraud actually standing here because um, Daryl and Taishan will have kind of gone through the whole process of Chelsea. I feel like I'm t sort of taking on the kind of gauntlet from uh, my predecessor. So in terms of kind of managing the garden aspect and the project, um, I was sort of on the periphery of all of that from an event perspective um, but the relocation project is something that um, that I can talk to and um, that but that's a really important happened. part yeah that's that's the millions <coughs> yes that's where you can touch more people exactly yeah. yeah so what's been your highlight low light and learning from relocating a Chelsea garden Ooh, um, well I can actually share a highlight from from the show as well mm. which is that you know although I worked on the periphery I, I was involved and um, and I think just seeing kind of the amount of footage, and I work for Mind, the mental health charity, and seeing the amount of um, uh, the media value and the kind of the broadcasting message around mental health um, last year was it sort of ran through that theme ran through a lot of a lot of the a lot of the program uh, kind of broadcasting. So that that was a real highlight for me in the show. And then I guess there's so many highlights personal ones and um, which we'll talk about I think a bit later for the relocation um, the low light uh, we had a massive hailstorm just before like in in May last year I don't know if you remember that on Tuesday and we were at reception trying to get all our guests in and it was completely chaotic but um, that was probably my low light and um, my challenge um, I think just sort of the kind of, you know, for us it was the first time we'd done a, a garden at, at Chelsea, so it's the not knowing and the sort of navigating all of, you know, the RHS and all of that was, was quite a challenge, but we got there in the end. When was the hailstorm? Was it before judging or after judging? It was after judging okay, and it was okay. just before we that's had okay. our big event. <laughs> it was before judging. Gosh, like that's stressful. Like I've seen people wrap peonies up in loo roll. So like the loo, you know, the loo, middle of a loo roll. They will cut the side down, get a peony and like hold it inside and put an elastic band around to keep the peony shut and protected before judging. <laughs> That's how crazy garden designers are. I, I think during the last week of the build, there was a huge downpour and that was really bad as well. It? Flooded everything. Yeah, our site was flooded. And also our neighbouring garden, uh, yeah, somehow uh, had a leak and... Uh, went into our garden. Unfortunately, that was Andy's mind garden. <laughs> <laughs> no hard feelings. <laughs> Sabotage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Taishan, on to you. Yeah, sorry, my name's Taishan, and I'm the founder of Grow to Know. And we didn't fiddle around with Lou Rolls at Chelsea. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we built the Hands Off Mangrove Garden. And just to give a bit of context to how Grow to Know um, came 
to what it is now. Um, so I live in North Kensington, Labrick Grove, and uh, post Grenfell Tower fire, I took to the streets to seek solace and uh, I guess understanding and clarity and justice uh, alongside other community members. And um, in doing that, I then stumbled into this kind of barren, derelict bit of earth and um, just decided I was gonna tidy it up a bit. And that quickly turned into um, asking local garden centers and nurseries um, and, and for plants. And um, so we were taking secondhand plants into a space that was otherwise unloved and just putting plants into a space without knowing any names of plants, knowing what their functions were, where they were going. And I think in that experience, I, um, I realized the unifying and, and healing natures, uh, powers of nature. And um, I wanted to take that forwards and then found it Grow to Know as a vehicle to, to create that change, create more access to nature. Didn't really know where we were going. And in the pandemic, obviously, that, that messaging was really amplified, you know, especially in my area. You've got the, the kind of the private squares and the front gardens, the back gardens of Holland Park. And then you've got places like Grenfell Tower. Um, you've got Trellick Tower. You've got really densely populated um, urban spaces, which, I, I, you know, I live in Lancaster West Estate, which is um, kind of connected to, to Grenfell. And we really did suffer as a consequence of being locked in. I've got two young children. You can imagine how, how chaotic it was. Um, and so we became a bit of a voice um, for the people that were locked in and didn't have that access to green space. Um, we wanted to make a change. So off the back of it, um, I think the RHS um, were probably um, really tired of me banging on their door saying, hey, like we're just down the road to you. You're, you're doing a Chelsea Flowers show, but you've never kind of created a bridge and never engaged in my local community. So why not use it as a platform to really engage with people, get people excited about nature, but also create access to green space. And because and there is a magic to Chelsea that I, I witnessed, but at the same time, I thought, oh, it's not really a space for me. It's not really a space for my community. So let's try and make it a bit more accessible, more, more digestible. So our garden was to be a statement garden um, that was kind of multi-layered in its messaging. And uh, it's called the Hands Off Mangrove Garden, which tells two really important stories. One of Mangrove Nine. Uh, so the Mangrove Nine were nine black activists from Labrick Grove who um, kind of confronted and um, uh, kind of um, pushed back on police brutality at the Mangrove, which is a Caribbean restaurant in uh, All Saints Road. Um, and it was the first um, uh, kind of uh, acknowledgement uh, of racial, uh, racial um, injustice within the police institution at the time, which then evoked a lot of change within the police. Um, but also we told the story of um, deforestation of mangroves, hence the, the name of it being called Hands Off Mangrove because Hands Off Mangrove is as in Hands Off the Restaurant, but also Hands Off the Trees that um, you know uh, keep us all alive and, and thriving. So um, our garden was quite sensitive when talking about clim climate change and racial injustice, but our messaging was all about the positive powers of bringing people together through nature, and I like to call it the common ground. Um, and so our garden was the common ground, so people would go, you know, what plant is that? Or that flower is so beautiful, what name is, and what is this garden about? And then that already just created an avenue in which we could have those, those conversations without that kind of tense feeling. You know, we could have a laugh and a, and a, 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 um, a conversation about what the plants were like and what the garden was, um, but you can kind of take from it what you wanted. And so, yeah, our garden was a bit bit of a statement garden, and um, I'd like to think that we we um, yeah we definitely engaged with as many people as, as we could. Um, highlight, low light, and learning, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, highlight, I, I, I've got two. If that's all right. Um, one of them was when we, and this was totally like a last second call. So we um, we had 120, tic 120 tickets allocated for corporate hospitality day, <coughs> which I'm sure you're all familiar with now. Um, 
And we um, we made a last second call to just cross off the corporate word and put community in. And uh, so we called it the Community Hospitality Day, where um, we invited 120 members of our local community free of charge. Um, obviously took a hit uh, to grow to know, but um, we just thought it was so worth it. So we had a, there's, a, there's pictures of 120 people in our garden from the local community, um, uh, all just having a, a bit of a laugh. And, and uh, this, for I guess all 120 of them, was the first time that they'd ever been to Chelsea Flower Show. And so that was really powerful to see our local community in a space that would otherwise feel kind of inaccessible to them. Um, so we were able to create that access. The other highlight, and this is more of a personal thing, um, was on that corporate hospitality day, for some reason, Daniel Kaluuya's mum was kind of lingering around and Daniel Kaluuya was tagging along with her. And um, I remember just seeing a lot of people, corporates like hanging around him, trying to get him. And he was just like, uh, like leave me alone. And um, I said, hey, like, bro, do you want to see our garden? And he came into our garden and I remember calling it a positive disruption, what we were doing at Chelsea. And he, he said to me, no, this is not a positive disruption. He said this should be the norm. And I think that really did energize me and, and um, you know, made it so worth, um, you know, what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, our low light, um, and Danny, Danny Clark was a, a co-designer. Um, uh, sorry, he's not the low light. <laughs> 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 but we'll, sh we'll, share these we'll share these feelings. Um, <laughs> So we were in the garden and we, we had some, some reggae music playing um, and we were listening to some, you know, just like we had, a, this is what, this is the nature of what we did. We didn't take it too seriously. Um, we were there um, to make a statement and the gold medal didn't, I mean, it, as important it was, it didn't mean everything to us. And I just think by us being there, we tried to, we, I guess we're trying to pull down those walls and barriers because um, again, music is a, is a universal language and then learning. Um, yeah. And unlike um, uh, Daryl and Georgie, um, we haven't relocated our garden yet. Um, and I think the learning for us, and, and I guess there's many factors involved in this learning, um, but because of the, the kind of quick nature of how we got to be at Chelsea, so it was literally even a few months um, that we came up with an idea, we pitched it to Project Giving Back, who had just started, and um, managed to secure the funding, and then we were at Chelsea, um, and we were like, okay, well, we, I think irrespective of um, Project Giving Back's criteria to relocate the garden, we wanted to do that anyways, um, but, then we learned how um, bureaucratic the processes were when dealing with like l the local authority, RBKC, um, especially in a community like North Kensington uh, where Grenfell's happened. So their relationship with the local community, local community is already quite straight. And um, so we're still jumping through those hoops of consultation, which I th we, we do as an organization anyways, but with the council involved, it becomes a lot more difficult. So one thing I will say is that secure your relocated, I mean, probably a bit too late now to say this because you're a few weeks away, but um, yes, yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've probably, Project Giving Back has taken this learning forwards, but I'd say secure your relocated space before relocating it because we've now got a garden or sculpture in storage um, waiting for it to be relocated. And I know it'll be worth it in the end because we're engaging with so many residents and and local businesses and stakeholders. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a long process and um, hopefully come this summer, um, we'll have a garden in uh, North Kensington called Hands of Mangrove. Amazing. But I think, yeah, I think all of them touched on the fact that you have to be thinking about that relocation. Um, oh, there's a couple of things. One, as soon as you mentioned radios, I went into grumpy show manager mode and I was like god I remember killing so many people's joy and walking around literally shouting at people telling them to turn their radios off literally I think it's in the rules I don't think you're allowed radios on site oh if you told me to I'll turn it up yeah fair, fair enough I'm not there anymore so you can if you ever go when you go back turn it up louder um 
So I had to, I literally, and this is something I want to quickly open up, just quickly, very quick one. Um, thinking about like the human impact of gardening, I started developing this sort of framing of ground germination and growth. And I think the sort of ground phase is the phase that you'll, you guys are in now. It's the, you might have a team of a, a couple of hundred delivering the garden, the actual physical garden. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important. Two is that germination stage. And it's actually, the reason I got to germination is something I read about Taishan, where he, he said, uh, a garden gives you the opportunity to plant a seed in the mind. And I think that's really important to have that in your mind when you're talking and thinking about Chelsea, the show week. It's, it is the germination stage. It's the time when you can plant as many seeds as possible in as many people's minds that you wouldn't normally have access to. And I think Chelsea's an amazing platform, especially for the charitable sector, is it's a warm audience. And actually, Taishan said it again, like lots of these conversations start about plants, like someone goes, oh, what's the name of that flower? And you can then have a really deep and meaningful conversation about whatever it is. Um, when I did my first garden, we were, I worked with my brother on the Pansy Project, which was a garden about homophobic abuse. So we had the ability to talk and have so many meaningful conversations because people were going, oh my God, what are all these pansies doing in a flower show? And we'd be like, oh, it's actually, we're doing this and this and this, and this is the story. So you've got a really warm audience. Because I know like from bits of marketing I've been involved with in previous roles, attention spans have become so small. You're constantly fighting for attention. You will never have an opportunity like the Chelsea Flower Show because it's a warm audience. You have never met an audience so warm. And it's now just making sure that you equip yourself and your team with the ability to make the most of that. Because like Taishan said, every single conversation will be, what's the name of that plant? You need to equip yourself with the tools to go from plant to charitable message. Yeah. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah? Sorry. Yeah. yeah go quick. <laughs> I think it's about having a narrative which, you know, an overarching narrative which links everything together. Like I say, for us, that was about our ongoing relationship with Putting Down Roots. And it wasn't just the relationship, but they actually grew some of the plants that we uh, used in the garden. So they've got a site over in Clapham and polytunnels there. So we bought some native wildflower plugs and they grew them on. So that, you know, it's literally less than a mile from the show garden they were actually growing them but they were engaged in the project they were part of the project they were essential to the whole project it's about integrating having this kind of narrative it's not just us talking about th what they do or what we've done together it's that fact that they were actually part of it and they came along to the show and helped a couple of days as well so they're totally integrated into the whole process that narrative is really key to what you're doing I'd agree, and I, I think we sort of had a real split of different volunteers on, on all the days. So we had sort of trustees, we had staff, we had people involved in some of our eco ecotherapy services as well. So they all brought their own experience. Um, but also um, just sort of equipping volunteers with the kind of, obviously the knowledge, but um, and, and the key messages, but then also just handy little phrases and sort of to get, like you said, from the plant to a conversation where it's just, what do you think of the garden? What do you, you know, what do you think about mental health? You know, and, and, and that's where people will either instinctively kind of walk away and, you know, don't want to yeah. engage or you'll start a conversation going. Yeah, amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I think we were, we were also quite lucky because we had a PR partner um, who supported our campaign pro bono um, and they're called W. And uh, yeah, they kind of were able to give us, um, put us in spaces that we would otherwise never be on. So, you know, radio, when it comes to radio, when it comes to newspapers, when it comes to um, TV, we was, I think we were on like BBC Breakfast Live. I don't know who let me on there, but um, yeah, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was really, really powerful. And all of a sudden, we suddenly we were engaging with the nation, um, and so these things can happen. So you can't always plan for um, everything. So there will be things around the corner that you won't even know will pop up, and you just got to be ready, ready for it. And have you know these are our inquiries. This is where our inquiries come to. Um, th these are our messages. These are our key messages. And then um, yeah, and things might pop up, and so just be ready to react in that way as well. And actually, just so jumping straight back onto that point and sticking with you, Tayshan, like Show Week is full of filled with so many opportunities and like you said you don't know where they're coming from sometimes how did you get the most out of it and what would you have done differently well it's funny because i remember um sitting down with danny and the team and doing a bit of a debrief and um post chelsea and we're like now what like <laughs> it's like it was just like this madness for a week or two and and then this complete silence and you know it wasn't like and this might be different from for other organizations and charities and designers um but now we're really reaping the rewards rewards of being at chelsea that kind of um i, I guess it gives you legitimacy in in that space and we were quite bespoke in a sense that we were the designers and the non-profit organization and our it kind of lends itself to each other because we're all about design creating access to space to, to nature but also education um, um, and I think some of the partners, and so we're rebranding, re-launching re, um, Grow to Know soon, um, and uh, so all will be revealed. But some of the partners that we're now developing partnerships with, I, I think, are, um, you know, thanks to to Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Flower Show, but also Project Giving Back for giving us that opportunity. Um, and so yeah, I think Chelsea really does give you that kind of elevated. Um, it kind of really does pop, pop your head out of, uh, out the crowd, and and something that you can point to and say, look what we've done, uh, and it gets people really excited. So. And what would you have done differently if you were going to do it again this year? Um, well, apart from the relocation yeah, process. But just, just about opportunity, like what, how would you oh have yeah, made so most? <coughs> I think it's all about hooking people in. Um, and I know that there's some rules around donations at Chelsea, which makes it really tricky. But I think in terms of getting people to sign up to, um, firstly, understanding your, your charity or your organisation, um, signing up to... Uh, something and then giving them a, a, a kind of a, a varied option of of donating or supporting in kind or whatever it might be. I think we really did miss out on that opportunity. We didn't have any anything in place. We were, I mean, we're a team of two, three, four people at most, and um, we were super stretched. So we were designing the garden, we were trying to build the garden, and you know all the all the media forms and all the 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 stuff that you need to all the criteria you need to tick um and so we really struggled in terms of um and that's why what i mean post chelsea mm. it was kind of felt like okay well like, it was so crazy that was intense we just spoke to hundreds of thousands of people but um what what have we got to show for it and it was like a slow burner for us it's like now we realize the the power of being at chelsea um but in terms of um if any learning i would have a sign up um process and for people to hook on so that the relationship with that person goes beyond Chelsea Flower Show. It's mm. a good one. Daryl? Um, yeah, I mean, St. Mungo's are very organized in their uh, PR and media campaign, and they got us, you know, 
breakfast TV and I was on there with Carol, the, the weather woman, and things like that. So, you know, they actually maximised some of that because it's whilst you get the BBC coverage, that is quite limited for the show and it's, it's you know, it's allocated per garden. Uh, some gardens get the advanced filming, which we were told we were going to get, then it was pulled away at the last moment, So, which was a shame because we thought we had a very strong narrative and that was really good. So, you, you know, but you've got to just really maximise all of those opportunities. And then at the show, as I say, we, you know, we were all working really hard. But I think some of the most kind of meaningful engagement came with actual people at the show, visitors to the show. Our garden, as I say, was an urban pocket park, and these are designed to be inclusive spaces, open to everyone. So we, it was completely designed in that way. It wasn't. It was designed as a real pocket park. It was flat. It was accessible. And at Chelsea, you're not meant to have people sort of coming into your garden and walking around or whatever, un unless they're invited. And we, you know, because this was meant to be an inclusive garden. We were inviting people in wheelchairs and mobility vehicles, and because they, you know, they were saying to us, "Oh, we're going around the show, and all we do is stare at people's backs." And there's quite a lot of them as part of RHS members because it's part of their demographic. It's just, just the way it falls. So, you know, we were inviting these people into the space to actually share it and enjoy it, to see it properly, and that that was, you know, really, really important. And there was some really deep and meaningful conversations with some of those people sharing really personal experiences. So I think that was really important as well. You know, you can have some of these conversations around the edge as well, but these ones were particularly, you know, particularly meaningful and strong. And was there anything that you didn't get a chance to do that you would try and do differently if you had a chance? Again, if you were doing it again this year, what would you take from last year? I, I was going to say, well, we invited community members into, I, I, we, I don't think we did that, but um, in terms of the corporate hospitality day when we had 120 tickets, it was so worth inviting the local community in. Although it, like, it, it was of no benefit to us in terms of financially, like we, we lost, um, you know, we paid for all those tickets and the initial idea was to make some of that money back and, and that didn't happen, but actually being there with 120 people from the community at a very, you know, it was funny because our garden was the only one with people that weren't in suits and in mm. hills and all of these different things. And, um, you know, it was just literally the local community who'd, who'd taken a stroll down the road to Chelsea Flower Show and got a private kind of viewing of Chelsea. Um, but I don't know about gala tickets, but if you, you can, you know, get me a ticket if you want. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the... Uh the corporate events that are more important than the gala, really, because the gala is just people wandering around and, you know, not that many people actually stop to talk to us or anything like that. It's, it's yeah, it's a different kind of event. But where you're actually targeting people, you've, you're inviting an audience along, they're in the garden, they're experiencing the garden, that, you know, you've got a warm audience there. And that certainly worked well for St Mungo's because, you know, they were inviting donors and things like that. So, you know, they got, they got a good reception from that. But also, just throughout the show, that it got a really good reception of getting people volunteering as well, not just money. So, yeah, it's worth bearing in mind. Um, so, so Tuesday, so Tuesdays and Thursday nights, I think, are incredibly valuable, and they're the they I would 100%. I'd max out that opportunity. There is like everyone in here. You should be maxing out that because it's unrivaled exhibitor-only access to the show. Gala night. <coughs> if you've got the budget to go big then it adds value. If you're gonna buy one or two tickets, oh, it's really, really marginal. Like, I remember once hearing an antidote from uh, the team from Cloudy Bay when they were sponsoring a garden, and they invited their CEO, um, and he only came to gala night. And he walked down Main Avenue, and he saw the CEO of Sainsbury's, the CEO of Waitrose, 
and literally walked back to the garden and said, we're signing up for next year and we're going to go bigger. We need to be over there where the party is. So for certain kinds of sponsors and certain kinds of people, Gala is the reason. Gala is paramount. Um, but I think it's, you've got to put it on those scales. Before we get into sort of relocation, and I think the, the, the bit that's probably most important is I think there's one point about energy management because the team is making sure you've got the right makeup of your team during show week. Um, and I was trying to work out a nice sort of little story about it. And it's almost like you wouldn't prepare for six months to go on a first date and put all your effort into being perfect and exhaust yourself to then go on that first date and you're going to be a shell of yourself. And that's what these designers are doing. They're putting everything in. You turn up to that first date and then you're not going to get a second date. So it's making sure that you manage your energy. So you definitely want to use your designer. You definitely want your designers on the garden. But it's making sure that you're using them to the best of your ability at the best possible time because they will unlock more engagement. But if you start talking to a garden designer and I've been there and they're dead in the eyes and they can't even hold a conversation together and they're slightly dribbling <laughs> like you're not going to get the engagement you want um, so I had a point on that which is that, like, how do you manage your energy levels through a Chelsea without Krispy Kreme donuts and Haribo coffee coffee <laughs> uh, adrenaline basically yeah I mean it is extremely tiring the build-ups tiring because uh, it's physical work and then, yeah, just talking to people all day, standing on your feet is really tiring as well. So, um, you know, making sure you allocate sensible timeframes for your team, don't overwork <laughs> them, make sure you've got enough people in rotation throughout the day, uh, think about their welfare, all these sorts of things are really And they important. know the narrative, to and your they, point yeah, earlier. And they know the narrative, yeah. But it is really important having the designers there because a lot of the gardens the designers don't even show up. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. You know, they're there on press day and and for medals, and then you don't see them for the rest of the week, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, that's definitely not what it was about for us. We wanted to be there supporting the charity and, and giving that information across to people as well. And then, Georgia, you had a star designer. So you, how did you manage his energy? Or I suppose you didn't necessarily have to manage his energy because... I think we were, we were well. We were so lucky in the first place to to have a star designer, and and I think um, in our case, Andy picked the charity, so um, we were equally, you know, doubly blessed. Um, I think we were also lucky with his personality. You know, he wanted to be there. I think mm. you know, it's, it's he's he's veteran of Chelsea. He's you know been doing it for for you know since the nineties, and he's you know know so many people so I think you know he was there almost every day and and I think it was just a case of instinctively knowing kind of what to bother him with and what not to and you know kind of you know weighing up the priorities in terms of opportunities that do come your way during Chelsea week um, for interviews and for other things mm. yeah and then Tayshan how do you manage your energy level um yeah I mean like we're quite bespoke because we were both on both sides of the fence so we were the, the charity or the non-profit and um, the designers as well and um, I think for me, it was just uh, motivating myself and remembering, I mean, to me, we've, we were born from the Grenfell Tower fire and um, there's a real seriousness in what we do. And mm. I think that was very galvanized and very energizing. I guess this is all part of that kind of seeking justice in terms of um, we really do believe in our work. We believe in our messaging. We believe in the impact that we're trying to create. And I think that having a close-knit team of people that are, are really on board and really on the same page as us um, just made sure that we 
you know, we were all moving in the same direction, um, in the right direction. Um, and yeah, we again, like, we didn't take it too seriously. And, and mm. I'm not advising you to, you know, have parties on your gardens every day. That's not what we did. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we didn't take it too seriously. And I think also not really knowing much about Chelsea Flower Show before coming into it not knowing what to expect, not knowing that this is what we needed to do and probably didn't do it or, you know, didn't meet this deadline. Uh, that probably all helped kind of, I guess, in terms of not feeling so stressed about it. Because um, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's Chelsea Flowers, Chelsea Flower shows a moment. Um, and I think there's a, a lifetime of work to be done, especially in this room. I mean, I know Chelsea typically is usually a designer and, and they come up with, a, you know, a reason for their design, but there's real meaning between, uh, bef um, there's real meaning behind the gardens that you're designing and it goes beyond Chelsea. And I think you've just got to remember that, that that's the bigger picture. Um, and I think that's definitely what got us kind of we, I mean, Energized, after it, we were exhausted. But yeah. um, during it, we were just like, you know, all these conversations, talking about all these different things were so important to us. And so it was really energizing, if anything. Nice. And then I think just on that, the, the RHS are there to help. Like they, I know there are lots of deadlines and there are lots of forms and everything else, but if you get stuck or feel stuck and it feels like it isn't an enjoyable process because it should be an enjoyable process, <laughs> then reach out to them because they are there to help and they will help. Um, but you led nicely into like, I think it's then last point before we get to answer all your questions. It's just, it's a summary point almost. Uh, keeping an eye on the long game and it's thinking about that next stage, thinking about what you're gonna do after the curtains close on the show, where's your garden going, how's the relocation gonna work, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It was the whole process right through to the relocation. I mean, we've been very critical of the RHS over the years about show gardens because they're built, they're there for a week, they cost a lot of money, and then they're destroyed. And it's not only the materials, but it's the labor that goes into that as well, or the craft, the skill, all of this. All of this, these different kinds of capital are just lost on, on the Saturday or Sunday whenever they're pulled down. It used to be Saturday, now it's Sunday. So, you know, we also did a project in uh, 2013 um, called the Remix Garden, where we took a whole show garden from Chelsea and gave it to four young designers to remix like they're remixing a song, basically. So you have all the elements, you reconfigure them in different ways. Each garden was, we did this at the Ox Hotel Wharf down on the South Bank there. So the first one was there for three weeks. We had a three-day turnover to make the new one. Uh, next one so on and so on so it was an interesting way of showing how the same materials can be used in different ways in the same location it's almost like a beta version of what a public space can be or four different beta versions of what a space can be and that really captivated people's uh, imaginations it showed the, the residents and uh, shopkeepers there what their space could be if they had the opportunity to transform it and also it's a nice process as well it's a kind of fun thing to do it's like performance art so we've always been really critical of the destruction of show gardens so it was uppermost in our mind that this has got to be a real garden that we're designing and it's got a real afterlife so we had we had conversation there was a site we knew in the london bridge area uh that we'd been shown many years ago and nothing had been done about it. it's on the side of southwark crown court right by the hms belfast on the river there so we had conversations with the with the landowners and they said yes we'd like to do this and we're having conversations with them it's sort of taking a long time and then uh king's college and guy's hospital said oh we'd really like to have the garden as well so i did some quick thinking and 
worked out ways that I could split the garden. We had a lot of these very large steel uh, planters with handles, and the whole idea is that they can be moved to different spaces if you need to do so, because in the urban realm, things don't last forever. So it's always about thinking about afterlife of afterlife of afterlife. All of our materials were recycled materials. We had uh, paving from uh, Era Anderson's show garden at the show the year before. We had wood from the COP26 garden uh, from the year before. We had offcuts from uh, stone companies. We, so we were really thinking about reuse and recycling. The steel had recycled content. We had a concrete bench that was made with a cement replacement, so it was 80% reduction in CO2 over normal concrete. You know, thinking about all of these sorts of things, so it's essential that all these things can go on and have afterlives. And so we met, so I split the garden. Some of it went to Guy's Hospital, and then the rest of it went to Southwark Crown Court there. So you know, it was totally essential that this afterlife was meaningful and that it continues to, you know, have a meaning, not simply in terms of talking about what St Mungo's do, but just for people to use. That was the design. That's what it was about. And, you know, it is well used now, and it's it's there. Like, as Tom says, this is where millions of people see it. And when the, uh, the uh, state funeral for the Queen, and there was that huge queue from Westminster, it came right down, right past the garden. So millions of people saw it then, before it was even finished. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Just, amazing is the wrong word for that, isn't it? <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just, you know, it is about that impact. It's about yeah. that afterlife. That afterlife continues to have impact, and that's what's key. It's real gardens. These got these are real gardens. And one minute before I had, I'm going to go to Georgie, because she's obviously just relocated a garden. When I was designing gardens, we didn't think about that longevity. That it was all about the show week. We didn't... I just think it was naivety. We didn't have to consider it. And when I'm talking about like 2013, we did a Chelsea garden. We donated the plants because the plants had a perceived value. All the hard landscaping just pretty much went in a skip and everything else went away. I don't know where any of it is. I have previously quite proudly said, now I feel stupid, saying like I've designed, I think five show gardens all over the world and none of them exist today. And it's like, oh, actually, I'm a garden designer that creates things with plants that can outlive me but none of my creative work exists. That's a bit messed up. Um, so in 2013, that's how we treated show gardens. And I would say in 2017, it started to shift. And I just wanted to take this moment to say, actually, I think Project Giving Back has actually been the catalyst and accelerator of this movement. This idea that actually you can touch millions of people. And I think what we're about to hear from George is a clear demonstration of that. Like it's, you put a garden in a community that uh, for 10 years, that be, might be a million people. For 20 years, that's hundreds of millions of people. Um, and that's where I think the focus needs to be now. We relocated about five mature silver birches two days after Chelsea. So it's straight into that process, straight away anyway. Um, just quick, briefly on the, on the, on the process, MIND is a, med it's a federated structure, so we have 109 local MINDs. Um, the process that we went through is that those 109 independent charities essentially um, went through a bidding process that the designer, Andy Sturgeon, and ourselves, uh, we had a board kind of decide on who... Who, who the garden was going to go to and and it, and it was based on you know sustainability and, and, and having kind of the infrastructure um, to sustain the garden um, and the charity that it went to was Mind in Furnace in Barrow and Furness in Cumbria which is a totally different climate so a lot of the plants had to be sort of decided re, you know reconfigured we had to also 
kind of translate the garden into a different space. So, you know, it was a much, much larger space as well. Um, so yeah, first of all, straight into the process. Um, and then, you know, in terms of kind of, uh, you know, that that process has been evolving over the last year and then last week we had our pro last Project Giving Back film done and we opened the garden on the same day to volunteers and to local kind of community organizers and, and other people involved in, in, in the garden relocation process. Um, which was fantastic. Um, I'm so glad that we marked it and that we were able to do it all together. Um, so it was about 90 people on the garden last week doing that. Um, it's been incredible to see the reach that a garden can have. Um, you know, so it's not just for Mind in Furnace. It's raised their profile as a partner organization. So the number of kind of community um, groups, the number of other local charities that they partner with and work with that are now using the garden, the number of education centers is now kind of in the teens already and it's just opened. Um, <coughs> it's also been transformational on the community. So although there's been this kind of core group of people that have worked on the garden for the last year from when those trees first went in, um, we had a group, actually the first group that worked on it was a group of asylum seekers and they've continued being involved in the process which has been great and we met one last week. Um, it's be, you know, one, of the, one of the kind of leads, lead volunteers said, you know, we're not just growing plants, we're growing people, which I thought was just such a lovely, lovely thing to say. And there's so many kind of individual stories I could relay that, that really, really touched me through kind of learning through this process. But also the community aspect. So, you know, it's a really, you know, in Barrow, you can see the rolling hills in the background. And it's one of those towns where there's just no green space. There's not a tree in the town. Um, so it's now installed a, a green pathway uh, or a greenway route which now has seven sites planned uh, which are all green sites in a town that's never had that. Um, you know the land that it was transferred to was barren land as well so that's that's been put back into use. So the number of like neighbors that have got involved in the process as well you know not just clients of mind and participants of mind but you know neighbors in 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 the community it's brought the community together um they had to apply for a business permit as well to get the land back into use from the council and that meant that you know they had street cleaning for the first time in history in that area which was just forgotten you know it was just fly tipped and you know there was no street cleaning service and now it has a regular street cleaning service so there's so many different impacts that a garden can have um on, on individuals um one of the one of the lead volunteers I'll, I'll just kind of put one story in um you couldn't look anyone in the eyes a year ago that was the level of her anxiety and now she's like kind of at the center of the group and bossing everybody about and you know really really um kind of the life and soul of this of, of this garden so it really uh yeah it's incredible the impact that it can have in so many different ways yeah perfect well thank you yeah <laughs>